Well, good morning. All right. Well, you know, um, this is Mary after the Christmas day, and we've had a busy weekend, haven't we? How many of you were here for um, Christmas Eve services? Wow, right? <laughs> I mean, it was something else, and I know some of you maybe watched online and are watching online today, but Wow, I mean, between the worship and um, just even what AV Tech does with the lighting, right? Just entering us into this space of worship and everyone that played a part in creating a hospitable environment here. We're just so grateful for those of you who did that. And, and then Pastor Brady, the way that he loves us and leads us, right? I mean, we are so grateful to him to be our pastor, yeah. I have the privilege of working under his leadership and serving under him, and he really is. He's the person you see here is the person that is here day by day, and we're so privileged. But um, not only this weekend has been really a crazy and busy weekend for some of you, it, it's a weekend that marks a moment in my life that I wanna tell you a story about that happened 30 years ago. In fact, 30 years ago today, it was December 26, 1991. Now I know some of you are in this room that weren't even born yet, right? So I'm aging myself, but me and my husband and our 18 month old daughter boarded a plane to go live in Kenya, Africa for three months. Now I, um, my husband was on sabbatical from the university that he spoke at and he was donating his time to speak at a Bible college in a little town called Kajabi, just outside of Nairobi. And I, being all of 24 years old, a very young mom, a very young wife, and very ill-prepared for the three months that was about to ensue, I, um, I really was having a lot of anxiety in my heart about how I was going to pull this off because I was barely pulling off being a wife and a mom at such a young age here in my own country, in my own culture, let alone somewhere else. But God was about to teach me a lesson about dependence and what it meant for him to provide for me at every step along the way, dependence. That's not a word that um, many of us like, right? I mean, if you think about, we like to be self-sufficient and capable. And I especially wanted to make this point as a young bride to my, my husband who is Indiana Jones, literally. So he was traveling all over the world, doing missions, um, all these outrageous adventures. And I wanted to keep up with him and prove that, no, you made a good decision. I can hang with you. And I should have known this because on our very second date, uh, he surprised me. He took me across the border into Mexico. My husband was going to be teaching a Bible study that night at a little church. And um, in the other room where he, from where he was teaching were about 100 children who had assembled. Right before service started, um, the, some of the pastors came in and said, hey, the teacher for our children didn't show up. And then my soon-to-be husband looks and says, oh, Michelle will do it. Michelle will go teach the children. We're in Mexico. I don't speak Spanish. As I'm walking over to that room, I remember like having this 
this crisis, like, I can't remember one Bible story, and what am I gonna teach them? And God provided in that, but I should have known that life with him was going to be an adventure. So here we are, we land in Kenya. Now, the first place that we stayed for a couple nights was really, really difficult. We were in the small room, not much bigger than a walk-in closet with a twin bed for the three of us. And I remember sitting in that bed that night, huddled together with my little baby, watching what I knew were just malaria-infested mosquitoes circle our bed. When I um, wanted to get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, the outhouse was about, I don't know, maybe 30 yards away. And I opened the door with my flashlight only to be greeted by a herd of water buffalo. I kid you not. I remember coming back in and thinking like, this is gonna be really difficult. We had a Maasai warrior have to escort us with a spear from our Jeep to the house and from the house to the Jeep so that the hippopotamuses wouldn't attack us. Now, when I grew up, I just, the hippos were cute, you know? But these, these were like really raging animals that could just, you know, kill you in a moment's notice. I no longer want a hippopotamus for Christmas after this. It was really frightening. And um, I think that night was the night that my husband hid my passport from me. We got to, that we got to the place that we were gonna be staying for three months and it was better. It was a little larger. We had, we had actually cinder blocks for walls instead of dung that had dried. We had, we had running water. We didn't have hot water and you couldn't drink it, but we had some of those amenities. But then I was learning to be a wife and a mom in this whole new culture. And this was before, you have to go back in your mind, this is before cell phones and the way that we have internet and access to communication. You might be able to get an overseas operator that you could talk to somebody here, but that was really scarce. The electricity was scarce. I had an 18 month old that was in diapers and we didn't have disposable diapers. And I know some of you are nodding like, yeah, we did that, but I hadn't done that yet. When we wanted to give her a bath, I just, I had to put a pot of water on the stove, boil it, and then pour it into the cold water and do laundry that way. And this place where we were living had rain showers at, just all throughout the day. So I would wash the clothes, I would put them on the, on the line to dry, and then a rain shower would come and they'd all get wet. I'd take them down, put them back up. Walking, really, when people say walking miles for water, we would. I remember the first time this was so funny. We went to go get water with the ladies from the village, and I put my daughter in one of those umbrella strollers, and this was just not a good idea because A, the terrain was really rocky, and then B, when I got there and got the water, I didn't have the ability to carry her, or carry the water and push the stroller. So one of the moms, was so nice to teach me how to swaddle my child on my back so I could carry the water. But you guys, I was exhausted. Every morning, getting up and just prepping food, and food prep was so difficult. Um, just to go get water, to come back, to do laundry, to prep lunch, then the prep dinner. I mean, we're only a few days into this, and I'm thinking, three months? I'm exhausted. And cooking food was also interesting because there were bugs in almost everything I was cooking. I remember the first time I was making a pie crust and I'd added some warm water and it must have awakened 
something in the dough because as I'm rolling it out, bugs are popping out of my pie crust, live bugs. And I just remember flipping out, like, what in the world? Where am I, God? And I'm pulling out each one of these bugs, thinking I'm never going to survive. My husband would go off and teach every day, and I was left with this little 18-month-old who had about 10 words in her vocabulary. I was supposed to be hosting the students from the school, but I was barely surviving just myself. I remember one day I just cried. I fell on my knees. I just cried out to God. Like, I can't do this. For three months, God, I, I am not wired for this. I don't have what it takes. And I remember, although this was 30 years ago, I remember it so clearly that God just whispering to me, why are you trying to do this all by yourself? Call upon me. I will help you. I am able. You see, I was. I was trying to just push through. I don't know, maybe some of you are like that. When you encounter a hard situation, you just put your head down and you just, you want to plow through. I'm just going to get through this. I'm in survival mode. And that's often what we do. But God is using those trials and those persecutions or those hardships or revealing our weaknesses so that we will call upon him that we will see that he is able, that he can come to our rescue in those moments. I opened up my journal that day and the very, the only words I wrote were a verse from Psalm 16. I wrote these words, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. Keep me safe. That's all I was thinking about. My maternal instincts were, we're just running rampant and, and I was scared. So in you, I will take refuge. That's all I wrote. No other eloquent words on the journal, just that. The next day, as I was in scripture, it was sort of a rebuttal. It was God's answer to my cry to be kept safe. And these words from Isaiah 41:13 are penned in my journal. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. This is the Lord's response to us when we, when we come to that conclusion that we can't do this all by ourselves. At Thanksgiving, we had our little granddaughter at our house and she's just learning how to walk. And it was so cute because when she would she was in that little squatting position and she wanted to walk. The first thing she would do was be raise up her little hand and her dad would grab her hand. And while she was holding onto his hand, I mean, she is just motoring around our house with perfect confidence. But if he was to let go of her hand, she would become fearful and squat back down and sit or crawl. Isn't that a picture of how we are with our heavenly father? We, we, we hold up our hand and as long as he's holding it, we can walk confidently. He is able, he will help us, he says. This is the picture of walking with a God who is able, a God who is able to sustain us. It must've been just a few days later where um, God took me to Matthew chapter six. And in Matthew chapter six, Jesus says these words to us, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. 
Each day has enough trouble of its own. It was at that point where this little light bulb sort of went off in my head. Oh, I think I know what God is doing. I think I understand that God is about to teach me a lifelong lesson. He was enlisting me in his school of day-by-day living. And it's, it's one thing to, to talk about this in a sentimental sense, like, yeah, we're just Jesus and I, day by day, we're just living. It's quite another to put that into practice, to wake up every day and say, okay, I don't know about three months. I don't know about next year. I don't even know about this week, but today, Jesus, I will walk with you today. I can do today. And this was the prayer. I would wake up every day and say, Jesus, Let's do today. We can do today. I've got this. Without you, I'm not so sure. But we can do this one day together. Now, as I was trusting him to walk with him each day, of course, God sends us trials along the way to test these decisions that we've made, these declarations that we have said. God, I'm going to trust you. It's you and me today. Okay, let's test that. And so the test was about to come. Now, how often do we, do we make declarations, but then we become self-sufficient for a period of time, right? Because we're in crises mode. And so we cry out to God and he rescues us and his presence is near and we're walking with him and we have our right hand stretched out and we're going great. But then we start thinking like, oh, I've got this, right? And we become self-sufficient for a time. And God is a God who does not want us to become self-sufficient for a time. Do you remember the Hebrew children who were in the wilderness? They had come from out of Egypt. They had crossed the Red Sea miraculously and they were on their way to the promised land. But God had a detour for them for 40 years in the wilderness. Now, these were people who in Egypt, even though they were in slavery, they had food and water they were taken care of. And now they're in the wilderness. And aside from the food and the water provision, they also had thousands of gods seducing them to trust in them, to provide these things. And Yahweh God is saying, no, I am the one true Lord. I am the Lord, your God, Yahweh. I will provide for you. He knows our tendency to be self-sufficient. And so he was going to be providing manna, but it would come each day. They would have to depend upon him each day. In Exodus chapter 16, scripture says, when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw that, they said to each other, what is it? This is what manna means, means what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer, this is a measuring unit, for each person that you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. And then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. I don't know about you, 
But as a parent or just in self-survival, I would have been like, okay, we'll gather what we need, but let's just put a little bit in the savings account for just in case God doesn't come through for us. Don't we do that? We do that with all sorts of things, just in case. And he didn't want them to do this. And so some of them paid no attention to Moses and they kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and it began to smell. You see, God was teaching his children to come to him every day and depend upon him saying, hey, just today, just today, you get to make it through this wilderness experience I have for you. You can't store up dependence. We have to come fresh every single morning to God and say, God, I depend on you for today. This is the day that you've given me to live. God was teaching them to depend on him. They could depend on his faithful provision. So I started doing this in a very practical sense. I would wake up, okay, God, we've got this, you and me, you and me. And then the safari came. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on a safari in Africa. These are, these are quite the unimaginable experiences of a lifetime. And we were in Kenya. There was a reserve called Masai Mara. And my husband and I really wanted to go on one of these safaris, but we didn't have the money for that. So um, one of the missionaries said, hey, I've got a van and um, I've taken people on safari before. Like, I'll take you out into the game reserve in my truck. And we were like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then the second thing that kind of complicated the situation is that the day before we were supposed to go on safari, two thieves dressed up in Kenyan police uniforms, stopped a van of tourists and um, beat them and robbed them. So I hear this news and I think, there's no way. There's no way I'm taking my baby, my life. You can go if you want to, but I'm not going to a place that's like this. And my husband and the rest of the missionaries said, no, you don't understand. Like we live off the tourism dollars of this. And we can promise you that today, the day after this happened, today will be the safest day ever that you could go into the Masai Mara game reserve. Well, that sort of made sense to me. So reluctantly, I agreed. And so we set out in our missionary van. And if you've ever been into a game reserve, there, it's, not like a, um, it's not like an animal park with like little signs and directions. We didn't have GPS. I mean, you're just really driving around in the wilderness. And the first half of the day was so fantastic. We saw herds of elephant and we saw giraffe and zebra and impala. It was absolutely magnificent. And around lunchtime, my daughter fell asleep and as we were driving through this game reserve, um, we started wobbling in our, in our van. And lo and behold, we have a flat tire in the midst of a game reserve. Now we had just seen lions and, and water buffalo and, and all kinds of ant, wild animals. And my husband and the missionary guy get out, you know, they're cranking up our, our van to put the spare tire on. And me and the, the wife of the missionary, we're just on lookout, waiting for any wild animal to come out and know what we were gonna do about it, but we were on lookout. Now, we're sitting there, they get out the spare tire, and I just hear my husband say, uh-oh. And I poked my head out of the door and I said, 
what do you mean, uh-oh? And he said, no, no, it's nothing. And I said, no, I heard you say, uh-oh. <laughs> and we're in the middle of a game reserve and that's not the word I wanna hear right now. And he said, well, it looks like there's a slow leak in the spare tire and it's pretty squishy. It's not gonna last for long. I said, well, how far away are we from the lodge? And then our beloved missionary driver says, well, we might be a little lost. I'm not exactly sure where we are. I said, let me just get this straight. We're in a game reserve, wild animals. We have a flat tire and we have a slow leaking tire and you're not exactly sure where we are or how to get to lodging for night. Okay, this is good. This is good. I mean, what could be worse than that? Well then, about 15 more minutes down the road, there are two men dressed in Kenyan police uniforms stopping our car. Now, they weren't just, you know, Kenyan police. They were also dressed as Kenyan police. They also had very large rifles, very large rifles. And one had a live chicken. He was, I don't know why, but... <laughs> and I'm thinking, I don't... Do Kenyan please carry around live chicken and your uniforms don't even match? And terror just came over me. And I remember looking at our driver, our missionary friend, I said, please don't stop, please don't stop. Just keep going, please don't stop. And he said, they have guns. They'll blow our tires out. We have to stop. We stop, we exchange some words. They want to get into our van. And all I could do was look at my little sleeping daughter and think, this is it. This is it. I was so terrified and I was crying out to God. God, you remember how you said just today, I need you just today. Just, just get us to the lodge. We don't even need a whole day. How about a half day? Um, I, was, I was scared, so I thought bribery would work. I'd made some chocolate chip cookies. I gave them to the police officers. But as we went on, we realized as we told our story that these were actually Kenyan police officers here to escort us, um, helping us find our way to the lodge where we were going to stay. And not only that, they had an auto mechanic place there at the lodge where they could fix our flat tire and our spare tire. And I was so happy. I jumped out of the car and I said, you have to take a picture of this. I don't ever want to forget. So this is a picture of me and our two um, Kenyan police officers and the chicken in the front. You can see the chicken. He did a photo bomb right there. But God, what I thought was this moment of complete um, fear, a literally salient fear in my life was actually God's protection and provision this was one of those marking moments in my life that I will never forget. And yet maybe some of you are saying, yeah, but what if it didn't turn out that way? Aren't there times in our lives when we pray, we cry out to God, but harm still befalls us. Death still prevails. What about those times? What about those times when we say, God, help. And it doesn't appear that he's helped us in the, in the way that we imagined. I can tell you that God is with us in those. That's why the psalmist can say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you will have the outcome the way that I want it to be? No, 
The psalmist says, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. See, it's not about the outcome when we're asking for God's to protection. It's not about the outcome when we're asking about God's provision. It's not even about the outcome when we're asking for God to be able to do these things. It's really about walking with him, his presence being with us. For thou art with me, even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, you're still with me. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. He will never forsake you. He's with us. And so when our vision is on the outcome, we will be disappointed. But when our, when our vision is on the person that we are on journey with, then his presence will be abundant. Paul says it this way. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, be all, all you could ask or think. He, he is able to do all of these things. But what he chooses is where we put our trust in him. And I can tell you that from that experience, I know that God was able to protect me, to provide for me, but also to help me learn to walk in a trusting relationship with him. That first month when those bugs were popping up in my pie crust, they were reminders of every fear that I had, every place of being out of my comfort zone, every unimaginable stress that I had in my life that brought anxiety and loneliness and despair. But as I walked with him and his guiding presence, that second month, I remember rolling out a pie crust and bugs were popping up. And I remember thinking, you know what? It's not really that big of a deal. They're just bugs. They'll cook out in the oven. <laughs> Literally by the third month, I was adding bugs. When God is on journey with us, he does the unimaginable beyond what we could ask or imagine, exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ask or imagine. He helps us walk through fires and trials and persecutions in ways that we never thought we could do and all the while putting on display his perfect provision for us. That's why he is sufficient to do these things. Paul says it like this, he said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. I can boast about how weak I was in Kenya. I wish I could stand up here and say, oh no, I'm Mrs. Indiana Jones but I'm not. I can boast about my weakness because my testimony is that his power is made perfect in weakness and he is sufficient. And that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, it's counterculture to our brain, right? It's absolutely not what we would expect. And I can tell you that even though it's been 30 years since this lesson, God is so faithful to never allow us to become complacent and to say, oh yeah, I learned that decades ago. He gives us new opportunities and I am in yet another season of acute walking day by day, sometimes hour by hour with God.
He's calling me into that deeper dependence with him again. He's asking me to raise my hand and say, Heavenly Father, I need to walk with you. Help me, I'm afraid. And maybe some of you are also in your own Kajabi wilderness experience. You feel isolated. You feel despair. You feel anxiety. And you, you can sense yourself slipping further and further. And I'm here to tell you today that God is able. God is able to meet you exactly where you are. And I don't know what the outcome of your situation will be, just as I don't know what the outcome of my situation will be. But I can tell you that he will walk with you. He will walk with you in that. You know, oftentimes we make New Year's resolutions at this time of the year, right? And oftentimes they have to do with things that we are either going to start doing or stop doing. And I wonder if this year God is just calling us as a church, at New Life Church, to just be with Jesus. Just be with Jesus. Jesus has you on journey with him this year. What if we resolved that that's what we're going to do? We're gonna wake up every single day and say, you and me, Jesus, we're on this journey together today. I wanna to walk with you. Jesus has us on journey. He, he wants to be on this journey of safari with you. And do you know what the Swahili word for safari is? It's journey. The word means journey. And isn't it interesting that God took me on safari to teach me what it meant to just be with him day by day, one step at a time. You know, this is a journey where we wake up every single morning. We put on our shoes, we put on our coat, we raise up our right hand, and we walk out that door together with Jesus. You were not created to walk alone. Do you know that? You weren't created to walk alone. Your heavenly father delights when you say, walk with me, step by step, guide me, direct me just today. Don't run out ahead of him. Don't be distracted by things that are off the path. Don't become complacent and lag behind. Instead, Learn to walk step by step with him this year. Learn his cadence. Gain strength from his guidance and his presence that is steadfast. And in this, we learn what it means to have day-by-day -day living. Remember, you can't store up dependence. It's like manna that falls afresh every day in your life. And Jesus is beckoning you. Do you see my provision? We can do this, trust me. When we do that, we say, Heavenly Father, you alone have everything I need for this day. You alone have the wisdom and the discernment and the provision and the power and the strength and the goodness and the clarity to be able to, to handle anything that comes my way. Without you, I fall. With you, I walk.
a name, it's the only name that has power, the name of Jesus. If you're a young person, if you're a kid or a teenager in this room, I want you to look at me. You don't have to wait till you're an adult to learn to walk day by day with Jesus. You can do it right now. You wake up every day, you say, Jesus, I'm taking your hand. Will you walk with me through today? And the enemy will say, yeah, but what about tomorrow when you have to go to school and face that bully? What about, what about next month when you have to do something you don't wanna do? Or what about tomorrow when you have to go to your other parents' home? Whatever it is, you say, no, today I'm walking with Jesus and he's giving me what I need. He's giving me my manna for today. You can learn this now. Walk with him every single day of your life. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. And men and women who are in this house today, God knows he sees you. He knows exactly the trial, the tribulation, the hardship, the anxiety, the fear, the loneliness, the isolation that you feel. And he is able. 
And so I wanna send you out with a blessing. I pray that you will be comforted, that you will have hope as you leave this house, that you will know that you are not alone. You weren't created to walk alone, so you never will have to if you call upon the name of Jesus. And so will you stretch out your hands? I want you to see and hear these words today as I bless you in the name of, the powerful name of Jesus. Men and women, may you know that his love for you is everlasting and not dependent upon anything you have done, will do, or haven't done. You, you are his delight. May you determine today to trust him and not yourself or your abilities. And as you trust in him, may the perfect peace of our Lord and Savior surround you now and forevermore. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you as you leave.